I want to talk about this important fact. But let's start with um, truth that sexual abuse does not make someone gay. One in six dot org slash get information slash myths. Myths and facts about male sexual abuse and assault. Many people have absorbed the myths to some extent. Below we outline the myths and the facts to encourage understanding and healing. Cultural myths surrounding the sexual abuse and assault of boys and men can be serious obstacles to understanding and healing. So it's important to learn just how wrong they are. Before exploring the myths though, here are some key facts. One, Boys and men can be sexually used or abused, and it has nothing to do with how masculine they are. Two, if a boy liked the attention he was getting or got sexually aroused during the abuse or even sometimes wanted the attention or sexual contact, this does not mean he wanted or liked being manipulated or abused or that any part of what happened in any way was his responsibility or fault. Three, sexual abuse and assault harms boys slash men and girls slash women in ways that are similar and different but equally harmful. Four, boys can be sexually abused by both straight and gay men and women. Sexual abuse is a result of abusive behavior that takes advantage of a child's vulnerability and is in no way related to the sexual orientation of the abusive person. Five, whether he is gay, straight, or bisexual, a boy's sexual orientation is neither the cause nor the result of sexual abuse. By focusing on the abusive nature of sexual abuse rather than the sexual aspects of the interaction, it becomes easy to understand that sexual abuse has nothing to do with a boy's sexual orientation. Girls and women can sexually abuse or assault boys and men. The boys and men are not lucky in quotations, but exploited and harmed. Seven, most boys and men who are sexually abused or assaulted will not go on to sexually abuse or assault others. One, the myth that boys can't be sexually used or abused, and if one is, he can never be a quote-unquote real man. Everyone absorbs the myth that males aren't victims to some extent. It's central to masculine gender socialization, and boys pick it up, pick up on it very early in life. The myth implies that a boy or a man who has been sexually used or abused will never be a quote-unquote real man. Our society expects males to be able to, to protect themselves. Successful men are depicted as never being vulnerable, either physically or emotionally. Whether you agree with that definition of masculinity or not, boys are not men. They are children. They are weaker and more vulnerable than those who sexually abuse or exploit them. They use their greater size, strength, and knowledge to manipulate or coerce boys into unwanted sexual experiences and staying silent. This is usually done from a position of authority. Examples are coach, teacher, religious leader, or status. Examples, older cousin, admired athlete, social leader. Using whatever means are available to reduce resistance, such as attention, special privileges, money, or other gifts, promises, or bribes, even outright threats. What happens to any of us as children does not need to define us as adults and men. It is important to remember that one in six boys are sexually abused before age 18. 
and that those boys can grow up to be strong, powerful, courageous, and healthy men. Two, the myth that if a boy experienced sexual arousal during abuse, he wanted it and slash or enjoyed it, and if he ever did partly what, and if he ever did partly want the sexual experiences, then they were his fault. Many boys and men believe this myth and feel lots of guilt and shame because they got physically aroused during the abuse. It's important to understand that males can respond to sexual stimulation with an erection or even orgasm, even in sexual situations that are traumatic or painful. That's just how male bodies and brains work. Those who sexually use and abuse boys know this. They often attempt to maintain secrecy and to keep the abuse going by telling the child that his sexual response shows he was a willing participant and complicit in the abuse. You wanted it, you liked it, they say, but that doesn't make it true. Boys are not seeking to be sexually abused or exploited. They can, however, be manipulated to experiences they do not like or even understand at the time. There are many situations where a boy, after being gradually manipulated with attention, affection, and gifts, feels like he wants such attention and sexual experiences. In an otherwise lonely life, for example, when lacking parental attention or affection, even for a brief period, the attention and pleasure of sexual contact from someone the boy admires can feel good. But in reality, it's still about a boy who is vulnerable to, to manipulation. It's still about a boy who is betrayed by someone who selfishly exploited the boy's needs for attention, and affection to use them sexually. See, sorting out for yourself was discussed as feeling like you partly wanted it then, but now seeing it as unwanted experience in terms of it being part of your life and having continuing negative effects. Three, the myth that sexual abuse is less harmful to boys than girls. Most studies show that the long-term effects of sexual abuse and assault can be quite damaging for both males and females. One large study conducted by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control found that the sexual abuse of boys was more likely to involve penetration of some kind, which is associated with greater psychological harm. The harm caused by sexual abuse or assault mostly depends on things not determined by gender, including the abuser's identity, the duration of the abuse, whether the child told anyone at the time, and so whether the, the child was believed in help. Many boys suffer harm because adults who could believe them and who could believe them to help are reluctant or refuse to acknowledge what happened and the harm it caused. This increases the harm, especially the shame felt by boys and men. It leads many to believe they have to tough it out on their own. And that, of course, makes it harder to seek needed help in the midst of the abuse, or even years later when help is still needed. Or the myth that most men who sexually abuse boys are gay. Studies about this question suggest that men who have sexually abused a boy most often identify as heterosexual and often are involved in adult heterosexual relationships at the time of abusive interaction. There is no indication that a gay man is more likely to engage in sexually abusive behavior than a straight man in some studies even suggest it is less likely because sexual abuse, but Sexual abuse is not a sexual relationship, it's an assault. The sexual orientation of the abusive person is not really relevant to the abusive interaction. A man who sexually abuses or exploits boys is not engaging in a homosexual interaction any more than men who sexually abuse or exploit girls are engaging in heterosexual behavior. 
is a deeply confused individual who for various reasons desires to sexually use or abuse a child and has acted on that desire. Five, the myth that boys abused by males must have attracted the abuse because they're gay or they become gay as a result. There are different theories about how sexual orientation develops, but experts in human sexuality do not believe that sexual abuse or premature sexual experiences play a significant role. There is no good evidence that someone can make another person be homosexual or heterosexual. Sexual orientation is a complex issue and there is no single answer or theory that explains why someone identifies themselves as homosexual, heterosexual, or bisexual. It is common, however, for boys and men who have been abused to express confusion about their sexual identity and orientation, whether they identify as straight, gay, or bisexual. Some guys who identify as heterosexual fear that due to their experiences as boys, they must really be homosexual. They may believe this would mean that they can't be a real man as defined by the larger society. Even men who clearly identify as heterosexual and men who project very traditional heterosexual traits may fear that others will find them out as gay or not real men. Men who identify as gay or bisexual may wonder if their sexual orientation was influenced in any way by the abusive experience and may even be the cause of their orientation. Also, many boys abused by males wonder if something about them sexually attracted the person who abused them. They will acknowledge and will unknowingly attract other males who will misuse them. While these are understandable fears, they are not true. One of the great tragedies of childhood sexual abuse is how it robs. One of the great tragedies of childhood sexual abuse is how it robs a person's natural right to discover their own sexuality in their own time. It is very important to remember that abuse arises from abusive person's failure to develop and maintain healthy adult sexual relationships and their willingness to sexually use and abuse kids. It has nothing to do with the preferences or desires of the child who is abused and therefore cannot determine a person's natural sexual identity. Six, the myth that if a female used or abused a boy, he was quote unquote lucky. And if he doesn't feel that way, there's something wrong with him. This myth, like several of the others, comes from the image of masculinity that boys learn from very earth that this myth, like several of the others, comes from the image of masculinity that boys learn from very early. It says not only that males can't be sexually abused, but that any sexual experience with girls and women, especially older ones, is evidence that he's a quote-unquote real man. Again, the confusion comes from focusing on the sexual aspect rather than the abusive one. The exploitation and portrayal by a more powerful, trust or admired person who could be a child or adult. In reality, Premature, coerced, or otherwise abusive or exploitive sexual experiences are never positive, whether they are imposed by an older sister, sister of a friend, babysitter, neighbor, aunt, mother, or any other female in a position of power over a boy. At a minimum, they cause confusion and insecurity. They almost always harm boys' and men's capacities for trust and intimacy. A gay man who experienced sexual arousal and abuse by a female may wonder whether it means that he is actually straight or wonder what it means that he was chosen by a woman or older girl. Being sexually used or abused, whether by males or females, can cause a variety of other emotional psychological problems. However, boys and men often don't recognize the connections between what happened and their later problems. To be used as a sexual object by a more powerful person or a female is never a good thing and can cause lasting harm. Seven. The myth that boys who are sexually abused will go on to abuse others. 
This myth is especially dangerous because it can create terrible fear and voice to men. They may not only fear becoming abusers themselves, but that others will find out they were abused and believe their danger to children. Sadly, boys and men who tell us being sexually abused often are viewed more as potential perpetrators and as guys in need support. While it is true that many, though by no means all, who sexually abuse children, while, is it, while it's true that many, though by no means all, who sexually abuse children have histories of sexual abuse, it is not true that most boys who are sexually abused go on to sexually abuse others. The majority of boys do not go on to become sexually abusive as adolescents or adults. Even those who do perpetrate as teenagers, they get help when they're young, usually don't abuse children when they become adults. Some final points. These are myths that everyone absorbs growing up and continues to hear as adults, usually without even thinking about it. Of course, some boys in the world, at least for a while, believe them and suffer the consequences. So long as society, so long as societies believe these myths and teach them to children from their earliest years, many men harmed by unwanted abusive sexual experiences won't get the recognition and help they need. So long as boys or men harmed by unwanted abusive sexual experiences believe these myths, they will feel ashamed be less likely to seek whatever knowledge, understanding, and help they need to achieve the lives they want and deserve. So long as boys and men in society as a whole believe that the males don't get the help they need, males are more likely to join the minority who end up hurting others. And so long as these myths are believed and increase the power of another devastating myth, that it was the child's fault, it is never the fault of the child in a sexual situation. Although some people are skilled at getting those they use or abuse to take on responsibility that is always and only their own. For any man harmed by wants or abuse of sexual experiences, anyone who wants to support him, becoming free of these myths is necessary to overcome the effects of the abuse and to achieve in life once it deserves. Um I was taught these seven myths during the sexual abuses that I suffered as a child. And I was taught these seven myths during the sexual abuses of my childhood um, by, the, by the male and female adult perpetrators. The males were adults too. Those two males and the rest were women. Um, they all gave me these seven myths. Um, and these things harm, and these things I'm healing. Um, you know, it's something that I, I wanted to talk about. And I am free of those myths, all of them. Okay. The problem with the belief that child sexual abuse causes homosexuality slash bisexuality posted on September 25th, 2021 by PFLAG Atlanta. There's an assumption among some people that the reason people become homosexual or bisexual is because of trauma resulting from sexual abuse in childhood. Understandably, the majority of LGBT plus people when coming to terms with their sexual orientation are trying to understand it will ask the inevitable question, why, or more specifically, why me? I personally have heard many 
LGBTQ plus survivors question whether their sexual orientation is a direct consequence of their earlier sexual abuse, Demont, 1988. Within the scientific and social science literature, there's a myriad of research claiming to have identified the direct cause of homosexuality. One of the hypotheses regularly tests is that of whether sexual abuse itself can be the cause of homosexuality in adult life. The results of this research is inconclusive since some research finds a direct finds a direct correlation between child abuse and homosexuality. Macmillan, 1997, Tomio, et al., 2001, Holmes, et al., 1998, Doe, et al., 1992, Sukop, 1995, Sharif, et al., 1988, Dixon, Van Kohol, 1984, whereas other research expresses where other research expressly denies any correlational link. Ridley, 2003, Balsam, et al., 2005, Beth, et al., 1981, Hammersmith, 1982, Peterson, Cantrell, 1991, Slap, 1998. Clearly, the jury is still out. The intention of this article is not to question why someone becomes homosexual or heterosexual, as despite there being many theories focusing on the nature versus nurture debate, there is no universally acknowledged conclusion. In the presence of such conflicting research, we are no closer to conclusively, to conclusively understanding whether a person's sexual orientation is determined or strongly influenced by a history of child sexual abuse. However, leaving contradictory statistics aside for the moment, Gamer's articles that identify how problematic it is to claim or jump to the conclusion that anyone is LGBTQIA+, as, as a direct result of sexual abuse experiences, it's just some food for thought. So why is it a problem to claim that child sexual abuse, CSA, causes birth to become LGBTQIA+. The numbers don't add up. The National Health and Social Life Survey, NHSLS, 1.51% of the population in the U.S., identifies as LGBTQIA+. Whereas other studies put this figure as high as 8% today, that's all 1989. However, statistics for people abused in childhood are significantly higher than this. With reliable estimates given for child sexual abuse to be 16% for males, 27% for females in the USA, and RCCSA 1994. Therefore, if there is a casual link between child sexual abuse and, and identifying LGBTQI plus later in life, then why aren't the figures for the number of LGBTQI plus people in the population reflected by the abuse statistics? There are significantly more causes of sexual abuse than there are people that, that identify as LGBTQI plus, And furthermore, the vast majority of persons in sexuality, and furthermore, the vast majority of persons sexually abused as children are heterosexual. Keith, 1991. In addition to this, virtually all statistics agree that females are more likely to be sexually abused in childhood than males are. And yet, and yet, there are proportionally more men that identify as being gay than there are women that identify as lesbian. Height, 1991, Janice, 1993, Jefferson, 2001. Isn't it just too simplistic? Some claim it is impossible to develop any about the origins of homosexuality because there's no theory is going to fit for every individual in every situation. Mobley, 1983. I see things are very complex and it's far too simplistic to say with uncertainty that A caused B to happen. To use an analogy, you can teach someone who is left-handed to write with their right hand, but they will forever remain naturally left-handed. One neuroscientist wrote, any human behavior is going to be the result of complex intermingling of genetics and environment. It'll be astonishing if it 
were not true homosexuality. McFadden, 1998. Discrepancy between genders. Some people question whether it is the fact that they were abused by a man slash woman that results in them being LGBTQI+. Female children are statistically more likely to be abused by a male. Lesbian survivors may question whether the reason they're lesbian is because they fear men as a result of their abuse. This could make sense until you consider the gay male argument related to this. Male children are also statistically more likely to be abused by a male. Some claim that a man may become gay because he has been abused by a man, therefore identifies sex with men. In fact, this proposes that a female becomes a lesbian. She is so scared of men because she relates all men to her male abuser. But a male actually becomes gay and hence seeks relationships with men because he had a male abuser? Question marks. Homosexuality itself could increase the chance of abuse. There's one interesting theory put forward by Wild Chop 99 that children grow up later to get to identifies LGBTQIA plus are more at risk of sexual abuse as children. She stipulates that being abused does not cause homosexuality, rather that children later identify as LGBTQIA plus are more vulnerable to child abuse. The reason she gives for this is that LGBTQIA plus adults report to their behavior and interaction with others is often atypical in childhood when compared to their peers. Being or feeling different can result in social isolation slash exclusion which in turn can lead to a child being more vulnerable to the instigation and continuation of abuse across the years down And in addition to this, many gay men in particular report they remember feeling dissatisfied or uncomfortable with their body as children. As young teens, they sought out situations in which to try to make sense of their sexual feelings or lyrics down the sixth. Unfortunately, therefore, abuse could occur in this situation because abusers take advantage of the child's uncertainties and insecurities. Being LGBTQIA plus is not dysfunctional. Claims LGBTQIA plus can be caused by child sexual abuse are troublesome because this implicitly implies that being LGBTQIA plus is not a positive thing, but something that has occurred as a result of serious trauma. Therefore, are we not comparing being LGBTQIA plus to suffering from PTSD, DID, or depression? Being LGBTQIA plus is not an illness. In fact, talking of illness, according to the American Psychiatric Association 2000, the history of sexual abuse does not appear to be more prevalent in children who grew up and identify as LGBTQI plus than in people who identify as heterosexual. Of course, sexual abuse can interfere with their survival and sexual development, sexual enjoyment, the way they engage in sexual behaviors, the ability to know and voice what they want. But it seems unlikely that it would play a role in creating passion and attraction about another person. It just feels right. For many LGBTQIA plus people, they just feel that their sexual orientation is right for them. Like it just clicks in with who they are, and that is naturally how they identify with themselves, with others, and with the world. As one woman said, I know I, was pre- I know I was predestined to be a lesbian. If I wasn't, it wouldn't feel so perfect and honest. The truth is that sexual abuse and sexuality are a million miles apart. They truly have nothing in common. Something as wonderful and beautiful as our sexuality could never have arisen out of something as ugly and painful as sexual abuse. Calvary, October 2002. Uh, Callie Monroe, psychotherapist. Am I gay because of the abuse? He wrote, this was published in 2002. 
MED psychotherapist Kali Mano. KaliMano.com. One of the most frequently asked questions I hear from lesbian and gay sexual abuse survivors is, am I gay because of the abuse? This question is asked not only by people who are unhappy or uncomfortable with their sexuality, it's also asked by people who are very happy, accepting, and proud of their sexuality. Lesbian and gay survivors are positive about their sexuality. They know in their heads that the sexual abuse didn't cause their sexuality. Yet on a feeling level, they too can sometimes feel scared or wonder that it, and worried that it did. In a society that assumes that everyone is and should be heterosexual and denigrates gay sexuality, some gay male survivors worry that they are gay because they are sexually abused by men. And some gay men who are sexually abused by women worry that their gay sexuality was formed out of fear and revulsion for women. Similarly, many lesbians sexually abused by men worry that their sexuality is caused by their abuse. This belief or fear is reinforced by the deep-rooted myth that lesbians just need a good man or a good lay to make them straight. Additionally, lesbians sexually abused by women often worry that their sexual involvement with women is a reenactment of their abuse. And yet heterosexual women were sexually abused by men do not worry that being sexually involved with a man is a reenactment or if they were sexually abused by a woman that their heterosexual orientation is coming from a revulsion for women. Clearly, this difference between lesbian and gay survivors on the one hand and heterosexual survivors on the other is created by homophobia. How does this link between gay sexuality and sexual abuse get formed in people's minds? Homophobia plays a big role in creating the link between gay sexuality and sexual abuse. The myth that lesbians and gay men are sexual predators is still very much alive. This kind of homophobia has been evident in some of the discussions following the recent disclosures of sexual abuse of boys by priests. One recommendation put forth was to ban gay men from the ministry, as if that was the reason why the children were sexually abused. No one recommends banning heterosexual priests when girls are sexually abused by priests. And while the vast majority of sexual abuse perpetrators identify as heterosexual, Heterosexuality is never blamed, and yet the way heterosexuality is presently socially constructed does play a role in many causes of sexual abuse and sexual violence. In a society that links lesbian and gay sexuality with sexual predators, and while there is little or no information for youth about lesbian and gay sexuality, many lesbian and gay survivors assume that sexual abuse by someone of the same sex is what being gay is. It is a very sad reality that some lesbian gay youth learn about the possibility of gay sex being sexually abused, and that some heterosexual survivors worry that they really are gay because the myth that sexually abused by someone of the same sex causes people to be gay. No wonder so many lesbian and gay sexual abuse survivors feel confused and ashamed of their sexuality. Who would want to have anything to do with something that is remotely so much of sexual abuse or sexual perpetrators? If, if as a child, sexual abuse was your only inkling of the possibility of gay sex, it's important to remember that your sexual feelings were not created by the abuse, even if those feelings were awakened during the abuse. Even if those feelings were awakened during the abuse. And if you identify as heterosexual and are worried that you may be gay because your body became aroused when you're sexually abused by someone of the same sex, that does not mean that you are gay. Your body's responses are simply physiological responses to the stimulation and have nothing to do with your own desires. Sexual abuse cannot create your sexual desires and cannot make you gay.
How are lesbian and gay survivors affected by these homophobic myths? Homophobia plays a burden of shame, isolation, secrecy, and fear on the shoulders of lesbians and gay men and leaves many lesbians and gay men feeling ashamed of their sexual orientation. Sexual abuse has a similar effect on survivors and leaves many survivors feeling deeply ashamed of their sexuality. When lesbian and gay survivors feel ashamed, they often mistakenly attribute all or most of their shame to their sexual orientation rather than to the sexual abuse itself. In contrast, while many heterosexual sexual abuse survivors feel ashamed of their, their sexuality, they rarely question their sexual orientation. They aren't plagued with fears that this hetero sexuality is caused by the abuse. Even lesbian and gay survivors who have challenged these homophobic beliefs who do not feel ashamed of being gay can still feel the fears they had as a child and needed help. Understanding that being gay does not that does not equal sexual abuse and is not caused by the abuse. Can sexual abuse create a person's sexual orientation? We are all socially conditioned through culture, education, family, media, etc. Sexual abuse is another form of conditioning. As a result, sexual abuse survivors can be drawn to be repulsed by things that have nothing to do with their authentic selves, have more to do with their abuse. This means, for example, that a woman who is sexually abused by a woman could be repulsed by slash or drawn to sex with women because of the sexual abuse she experienced and know and not know whether or not she's a lesbian. But being drawn to or being repulsed by certain behaviors does not define your sexual orientation. The larger question is how do you know when you're feeling and behaving authentically when you are feeling or doing something because of the abuse or any other form of conditioning? Some survivors have said that they felt drawn to specific sexual behaviors, for example, sex with older men, anonymous sex, rough sex, etc., and attempt to work through their abuse, while others have said they were drawn to certain sexual behaviors because it was what they knew and felt comfortable with. Later in life, they learned that they were acting out and not being true to themselves. Just as an abused woman may feel drawn back to an abusive partner out of a sense of familiarity or because of the beliefs about herself and her work, so can sexual abuse survivors feel drawn to sexual behaviors that are coming from abuse. Sexual abuse survivors can be drawn to or repulsed by heterosexual slash or gay sex because of the abuse they experience. However, sexual abuse can't create one's authentic sexual orientation. Sexual abuse can interfere with sexual enjoyment, contribute to a survivor engaging in sexual behaviors that arise from the, from the abuse, and interfere with survivors' abilities to know what they want. But sexual abuse can't create a survivor's deepest passion and desires. Discovering your authentic sexuality usually involves weeding through layers of conditioning that arose from sexual abuse, as well as other forms of conditioning to find your deeper, more soulful self when you, where you know who you are and what you want. Overcoming the effects of sexual abuse helps you to do just that. Developing a relationship with your inner child and teaching them the difference between sexual abuse and sexuality also helps. And developing a gentle and compassionate relationship with yourself, your body, and your sexuality helps. The truth is that sexual abuse and sexuality are a million miles apart. They truly have nothing in common. Something as wonderful and beautiful as our sexuality could never have arisen out of something as ugly and painful as sexual abuse. You really can you really can trust yourself to know what you want. If not now, then in the future, and to know that your deep passions have nothing to do with sexual abuse, everything to do with who you are 
separate separate from the sexual abuse. Can being sex this is stoppingnow.org. Can being sexually abused determine sexual orientation? Question. Dear Stop It Now. I feel I am more comfortable in a relationship with a woman after years of abuse and straight relationships. I find that I can really connect with a same-sex partner. Can severe abuse or abuse of any sort for that matter lead to a sexual aversion to the offending gender? I'd like to know if my feelings are natural and born or could have been abused through trauma. Thank you for your advice. Uh, response. Dear Brave Survivor. That looks into your question if the impact child sexual abuse has on sexual orientation is limited. However, overall research does indicate that sexual orientation is primarily understood to be biologically based. This means that while trauma such as child sexual abuse can absolutely influence anyone's overall capacity for intimacy, relationships and attractions is most likely does not determine sexual orientation. Even when there's a correlation found between child sexual abuse and survivors of sexual orientation, other questions influence the ability to make any conclusive statements. For example, we do know that children who are perceived as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender are more at risk for being sexually abused. So when you study how many women who identify as a lesbian have been sexually abused, the numbers may be higher than the general public. I also searched through several online forums thinking about your question. I didn't want our response to just be a reassuring one without it feeling based on some real life examples. I was pleased, however, to find that almost exclusively people asking similar questions as your question are hearing that the most important thing is that you're comfortable with who you are now and that you feel loved and supported. Many reference sexual orientation as biologically determined and feel that sexual abuse should not be blamed for sexual orientation. So the article they said, take a look at, I already read it to you. I appreciate the perspective out my hair and I think it's fairly well, well informed. I wanna highlight that what is really important is that you feel that you're being true to yourself. You didn't know whether you ever had the opportunity to get professional support to around the abuse, but I really want to recommend this. Their counselors are very skilled and understand the many questions and feelings that come up around child sexual abuse for adult survivors. Our resource guide list can help you locate these professional resources, adult survivor resources and support. I'm so sorry that you were sexually abused, and I think it is important for you to be able to trust your feelings and address any doubts you have. Hope this information is helpful. Take care. Stop it now. if I want to say anymore. Um, well, I'm going to take a rest. Cause that was a lot for me. But um, what I do want to I do want to say is
is that I believe that I was born pansexual and pangender. Being pansexual and pangender are normal for me. Being pansexual and pangender are healthy for me. Even if the even if there were choices to be pansexual and pangender, they would be harmless choices. Being pangender and pansexual for me is are not sins, they're not crimes, they're not immorality, they're not wickedness, they're not wrong, they're not toxic, they're not poisonous. Um, I, it was biologically determined for me to be pansexual and pangender. Um, And that is something about me, and those are things about me that I truly do appreciate. I believe I came out of my mother's womb, pansexual and pangender. Um, it's something that I genuinely like about, those are things that I genuinely like, love, and respect about um, myself. And so... I'm proud of who I am. And that's what I wanted to say right now. Thank you.